a year ago. Breaking news on CBS Sports HQ, the Ivy League has canceled its conference tournament because of concerns about coronavirus. It literally is now an hour-by-hour -hour process in terms of college basketball conference tournaments. And then the big question is, we are still, uh, we are technically one week away from the start of the NCAA tournament in Dayton for the first four. What will happen in the next 24 hours, 48 hours, 72 hours? One breaking news story after the other, all of them involving the coronavirus pandemic and how it pertains to the world of sports. We are now learning that two major conferences have decided to ban fans beginning breaking tomorrow. Breaking news on CBS Sports HQ, NCAA making it official this afternoon. There will be no fans allowed at the men's and women's basketball tournament. I think one of the biggest reasons why we got here is that the leader of the World Health Organization on Wednesday declared the coronavirus a pandemic. Just as we're just as we're going on the air here, I mean, I have a source telling me that the Big East tournament is going to move forward with the tournament as planned, uh, which would mean with fans in attendance. So, you have so you're telling me there's a chance. Biggest news in the sport, coronavirus. Yes, the virus is dominating college basketball headlines. It is 12.07 a.m. Eastern at the time of this recording. The Ivy League has canceled its tournament in a controversial manner. The MAC has decided to hold its tournament, but with no fans. Do you think we're really heading for a spectatorless NCAA tournament? Parrish, I do. Breaking news here on CBS Sports HQ, and it is monster news. The NBA has suspended the season after Rudy Gobert has tested positive for coronavirus. What? No, 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 no. Actor Tom Hanks says he and his wife, actress Rita Wilson, have tested positive for coronavirus. No, 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 no. For a hot 90 minutes on late Wednesday night, there was legitimate fear that Fred Hoiberg might have it. Not like this. Not like this. With the uh, coronavirus, we don't know entirely what that means for the future. The world is a vampire. News just in. Big East has officially decided to cancel the remainder of their basketball tournament following the lead of every single other major basketball conference. I can't see how we can move forward and, and play the NCAA tournament under these circumstances. Okay, okay, okay. So should, 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 Continuing our breaking news coverage on CBS Sports HQ with the NCAA making it official. The NCAA tournament has been canceled for 2020. Wow. This is going to be... This is, this is so historical, you know. The world uh, is facing something that I've never seen in my lifetime and uh, hopefully never will again. tonight to hold its entire basketball tournament in Indianapolis this spring. The original plan called for March Madness to be played at 13 different sites, but organizers say they were impressed by the success that some pro sports had in holding their championships in single locations during the pandemic. I say that's a smart idea. We want our March Madness. We are going to have a tournament that's going to be special. We'll be nimble and we'll deliver what the country is you know, desperately looking for again, and that's just an incredible March Madness tournament. 
in 2021. Yeah! We are following breaking news here on CBS Sports HQ. The NCAA Division I Men's Basketball Committee announcing today the relocation of 13 preliminary round sites for the 2021 championship. Oh, man, I am so excited. I may vomit. This just in, the NCAA has announced its contingency plans for teams forced to withdraw from the NCAA tournament because of issues related to COVID. March Madness right around the corner, and the NCAA just announced it will allow a limited number of fans in games. Whatever it takes. Three seconds at midcourt. Jenkins gives it to Jenkins for the championship. Hold on to your butts. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me, and the only respectful way to start this episode is by acknowledging what happened in Morgantown on Tuesday night. Final score, Baylor, 94, West Virginia, 89 in OT with the win. The Bears secured their first Big 12 title and the first conference championship of any kind since Bill Henderson, a man who made two Final Fours despite a career record below 500, led Baylor to a Southwest Conference title in 1950. Scott Drew celebrated appropriately. So did Kelly and the kids. Up above, I'm confident. Bill Henderson and Grandma Jewel were snuggling and smiling, witnessing history from heaven. Down here on earth, Baylor moved back up to number two in the top 25 and one dead leg. You wondered. Over the weekend, if Baylor could ever be great again. So here's my question. Are you ready to stop wondering about stupid stuff and show some respect to the entire Drew family, Bryce included? Oh, I got nothing but respect. Nothing but respect. March is here. Baylor is back. Hope everyone's recovered from that intro. Hope you were sitting down. Feel free to share it as much as you'd like. Yes. Baylor. Listen, man. Huge, huge, huge game. Wonderful scene afterward, like Scott Drew jumping on uh, one of his players' backs. And, you know, you just you just saw 
You just saw the legacy of Bill Henderson just roll right off of Scott Drew's shoulders with that with that victory. Getting this conference tournament win in overtime at West Virginia, locking up a one seat for good no matter what in the in the process. And and hell, that was an awesome watch. Five o'clock Eastern tip. Sunlight still outside here on the East Coast. Great game. Wonderful stuff. We had an incredible, just phenomenal Wednesday in college basketball, which we'll get to. But this was the big one. I mean, there were two big ones, but this one was the big one because of how good the game was. We had another really, really good game that was shockingly a blowout. This one was competitive as hell throughout. So shouts to everyone in the Drew family, all relatives, but most notably, Huck, the dog. And listen, nothing but good things to say. That was a big time advancement and turnaround from the team that we saw against Kansas. It was a five o'clock Eastern tip, four o'clock central. That runs head to head with the Gary Paris show. So I was, uh, I was trying to talk live on radio and then watch, uh, watch it out of the corner of my eye because the Grizzlies had a 6 PM central tip and we are the flagship home of the Memphis Grizzlies. We had a 30 minute pregame show. So I was out at five 30 central. Tell me if this is dangerous or just someone being dedicated to his job. I watched Baylor West Virginia on my phone driving home. Yeah, okay. <laughs> That's so hold on. Actually question about that then. So what, how did that line up? Like what part of the game was it when you were like, had it gone to overtime yet? No, uh, I drove home through the final minutes of regulation, got into my home with about, I don't know, a minute left like two minutes left and then got to watch that debacle at the end of regulation. But when when Jared Butler, the the brilliant uh, drive and bucket, but like they were just throwing the ball back and forth to each other uh, at the end of regulation. I watched overtime in my, in my living room, but uh, I've got a nice little place in my car where you can set your phone. And uh, it's just, it, it feels safe. I didn't feel like I didn't feel like I was in any danger. You're here. You're here. That's I'm the here. most important thing. You had in the, t- the t- I've I've been in that spot in terms of like listening on the radio and then getting in the house. You got to pick the right moment out of the car into the house. Hey, hey, gotta have the TV on. Let's go. Let's go right now because you want to see what's happening there. And yeah, huge, just huge game. Butler, you're right. That Butler bucket. That was a. That was an alpha dog, my team, yes. my moment. I'm getting this basket right here to give us a chance to, to stay alive. He gets it done. And then really impressively, Parrish, in overtime, you know, Butler fouls out. Davion Mitchell had a wonderful game. I thought Matthew Meyer had some really uh, big spots as well. And just overall, like, West Virginia was terrific. Like, I'm convinced that Sean McNeil is going to be that – like, he is going to hit a big shot in the closing 10 seconds of a first-round game, a second-round game, a Sweet 16 game. He just feels like that player for West Virginia this season. But in addition to him and Deuce McBride, who had another good game, I mean, Taz Sherman had 26 off of the bench. Derek Culver was kind of a non-factor, which was surprising to me in, in some regard. West Virginia overcame that. Just a, a really competitive, great watch. Just – I thought – I thought – Tuesday was incredible. I thought it was an incredible day of hoops, and uh, and this was kind of the, the lead. And, and thank goodness they rescheduled this, by the way, because remember, Baylor lost its home game against West Virginia with all of this restructuring, but they kept at least one of these matchups, and they, uh, they put the Bears on the road. They get a road win, and in the process, first time since 1950. Good old Robert Norlander, my pops. He wasn't even born then. It's 71 years, so it, it's, it's phenomenal. And, uh, and congrats to Baylor in the process. Um, I, I, I was texting with Scott Drew on Tuesday night. And the first thing he said is that I think I owe you a, 
a deep dish pizza. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I still have to send you that detail, by the way, but yes, that's true. We got to figure he it out. Fe- he feels responsible for me having to give you a deep dish pizza based on you know, Baylor losing uh, at Kansas over the weekend. I said, I said, I said, buddy, you don't owe me. You don't owe me anything other than to, to give it your best shot to become the only coach in Baylor history, not named Bill Henderson to get to a final four. That's right. <laughs> he said he's going to try his best. That's what he promised. Oh, <laughs> he promised it. He, he promised to try his best. It was, um, no, I, I, I circle back to what Scott said after the close win, unimpressive win over Iowa state first game after the COVID-19 pause, he said he had talked to a bunch of coaches who had been on similar pauses and, 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 what he had gathered is that most of them told him it's going to take you two or three games to get back right. You'll get back right, even if Matt Norlander wonders if that's even possible. You'll get back right, but it's going to take a minute, two or three games. And this was game three, and they looked – that's the thing. It's not just they won at West Virginia. They look like Baylor. They look like the team that people were discussing um, you know, as, as Gonzaga's peer. They, they made 13 of 31 three-point attempts. You know, they shoot 42% from three on the season that leads the nation. They shot 42% from three at West Virginia. Jared Butler made five of those. And like I said, that game-tying layup was, you, you described it accurately. That was, I, I've got this, I'm, I'm going, this is me. Like, we, you know, we, we're, we're going to overtime, and I'm going to be the reason we go, we go to overtime. And so uh, just an incredibly impressive performance that, in all seriousness, I think removes doubt yeah, I was on CBS Sports HQ uh, on Tuesday night, and, and they asked me, you know, what what is what does this say? You know, what what did this win for Baylor? What does it mean? And obviously, like the the, the Wikipedia page suggests, it means you know, first conference championship since 1950, so on and so forth. But more than that, it it, it says that hey, th- this is the Baylor team that 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 we were enjoying in November, December, and January. In, in early February, before it got shut down, this was one of the best teams in the country. And in some people's opinion, at certain points, the best team in the country. They look like that again. Agreed. Uh, Baylor now, it's, if, you know, it's here's the net as of Wednesday morning. Gonzaga 1, Baylor 2, Michigan 3, Illinois 4. Those are obviously the four one seeds. There has to be consensus across anyone that who considers them uh, a hobbyist with bracketology or paid to do it. Uh, there is no argument against any other team on the one line right now. That needs to be a universal opinion as we speak this morning in that exact order is how it lines up. Baylor is now 7-1 and one in quad one games and undefeated, obviously, in 2-3-4 and four because it only has the one loss against Kansas there. So in doing that, it got a seventh road win as well. Only Illinois, which we'll get to in a minute, uh, has more road wins. I thought that was significant. And now Baylor has no more road games. Uh, it will not play another road game the rest of the season. It gets to, uh, it has a quick turnaround, but it turns around against Oklahoma State on Thursday night. And that's an Oklahoma State team that's done incredibly well for itself. I mean, it just got uh, a sweep in Bedlam and, and big time stuff in the process, just skyrocketing up the seed boards. And then Baylor will, ske- uh, will finish its schedule Sunday against Texas Tech and try and finish with a 13 and record um so 14 games out of you know 18 overall not bad for west virginia real quick it also finishes at home uh tcu thursday and then it will have oklahoma state come to town oklahoma state i think as i said on a previous podcast it actually got the shortest end of the stick in terms of when the big 12 restructured its final two weeks osu had the toughest strength of schedule it's been able to overcome that to this point but yes um just wonderful stuff and a great game the first good game of a of a mega doubleheader on tuesday 
And the second one uh, was uh, not nearly as competitive. Uh, we opened with Baylor over West Virginia because that was awesome and historic, but it probably wasn't the biggest win of the night, certainly not the most surprising, because the biggest win and the most surprising of the night uh, belonged to shorthanded Illinois. We're going to get into that next, but first, check this out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do. Like me, taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. So Io DeSumo was ruled out of Tuesday night's game at Michigan a little while before tip-off. Unsurprisingly, the Wolverines immediately became eight-and-a-half-point favorites. Most people were laying the points, but then something crazy goofy happened. Illinois won at Michigan by 23 points without Io DeSumo. Can you make any sense of that? No. I mean, in all seriousness, this has to register as like a top three shocking result of the season, right? Oh, when I wrote, I, it leads the top 25 and one on Wednesday morning. And when I wrote about it, I, I described it as one of the most surprising results of the season. Um, and not just because Illinois won shorthanded. Michigan has looked unbeatable. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they, they come back and they, they struggle for a minute in their first game after the COVID pause. And then they look great against Ohio State. And then they blow out Indiana and Iowa in back-to-back games, average margin of victory, 19 points. So, like, Illinois beating Michigan at Michigan would have been surprising, period. But doing it without Io DeSumo and doing it by 23 points, I mean, that is outrageous. Like, I, 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 I promise you, if anybody says they saw that coming, they are lying. Nobody could have possibly envisioned anything like that. Nope. At one point, uh, with 10 minutes to go in the second half, it was 64-36. to 36. Again, on the road against Desumu, I mean, without Desumu, against Michigan, after Illinois had some issues against the lower, you know, ranking teams in the Big Ten. I mean... Just unfathomable, really. And in doing and getting the win, you know, Illinois leads the nation in quad one wins. It's got nine now. I wondered if this borderline locks in the four one seats, but it doesn't. It doesn't. Now, if Illinois beats Ohio State this weekend, 
then I think they're locked. I don't think there's any scenario in which any other team is going to is going to jump to the one line or fall off the one line. I could see a situation in which Illinois loses to Ohio State, then Ohio State say wins the Big Ten tournament. They could have a certainly justifiable reason to be on the one line there. But that win against Michigan, oh my goodness, uh, just absolutely dominant. The postgame scene in the locker room was fantastic. How do you not love this Illinois team? Uh, you know, it has had some struggles, and it has some moments this year where it's kind of been like, eh. But it's just so – it's just an enticing team. For Michigan uh, – I don't know, man. Maybe this is a one-off. It was weird to see Michigan lose the way it had treated so many other teams. Just, it was just baffling, I, really. I mean, I, 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 I could not explain what I was seeing there. Um, it was just out of sorts. It got caught. It was like if this was the first game off, off of Michigan's pause, then you'd be like, all right, you know, we can understand why that would be the case. But that was not the case whatsoever. I mean, Michigan only attempted seven threes, made two of them, was 70% from the foul line, 36% from the from two-point range there. And, you know, just, just out of sorts overall. The only player in double figures was Eli Brooks. Franz Wagner had one. Of, Franz Wagner, who's been like a top 10 player of the year candidate, I think, in the whole this season, considering how good Michigan's been. Him and Dickinson are kind of neck and neck. They combined for eight points. Wagner only had two. So uh, great job by Underwood and that staff and that team to, to shut him down. I, I, I really hope Andre Curbelo is a four-year player. He's just a freshman. And... Like Adam Miller has not been as good, I think, as Illinois fans thought he would be, and Curbelo's always been kind of second fiddle to him from in that freshman class. But man, he is just so so fun to watch. It kind of goes with that whole Illinois team. And then you know, Trent Frazier, twenty-two points, did a great job there. Um, just you know, that was that was a stunner. It's hard to get a truly stunning result between two top five level teams, no matter what happens. But Illinois doing it on the road the way it did it without its best player and maybe the second best player in college basketball that that ranks right up there. March is here. They had four assists in the game, four assists in a 40 minute basketball game. Like when I've been talking about this team on CBS Sports HQ or anywhere else, I talk about things. People would ask me, so what makes Michigan so good? I was like, well, like uh, first off, they, they've got real NBA talent. Um, they've got a terrific coaching staff, but like on the court specifically, um, there, there's really not too many deficiencies. They're uh, elite offensively. They're elite defensively. They really move the ball. They seem to enjoy playing with each other. And then they, they come out four assists. I mean, that's incredible. They average 15.5 assists per game. If you go back to that really impressive performance on CBS Sports America's most watched network, Network of Stars against Ohio State, in that game, they had 19 assists and seven turnovers against Illinois. Same players, same team, four assists and 11 turnovers. Four assists. Like, that's a yeah. really, really low number, especially for a great college basketball team. Where do you land on my thought with the Illinois in the final one seed? Um, how well, much well, right now, it's not debatable what the one seeds are. Occur like, you agreed. can't even come up with a good argument for anybody other than Gonzaga, Baylor, Michigan, Illinois. And do you – you put them in exactly that order? Yes, I put them in exactly that order. Yes, you have I to have it. Tweet, I haven't tweeted the top 25 and one yet. I'm just because it, it, it got published while we're recording, but I will do it as soon as we're done here. And I'm just waiting for the backlash because I've still, I've got Michigan ahead of Illinois yeah, and people are going to be like, dude, yeah, no. but they belong there. That it's, was it's one the whole resume with what you're doing there. Michigan clearly from a resume standpoint is ahead of Illinois at this point. Not even close. All right. But, but like, trust me, not everybody on Twitter is going to understand that. Just trust me. So um, it's those four in that order. And there's no counter argument. I think the, the top three are locked in. I mean, what, what people, do, I'm about to do that thing again, right? <laughs> Where I say do people it. don't understand something that's very, very obvious. What people don't get, 
dead leg um, because there's, you know, we still got Wednesday games, Thursday games, Friday games, Saturday games, Sunday games, and then conference tournaments all next week. It feels like there's a lot of basketball left to play. But what people don't understand, dead leg, is that once we get to Monday, these 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 ones they cannot take more than one more loss. That's it. That's it. So you you have to you have to here's the thing people don't realize about single elimination tournaments is that once you lose once it's over for you. And so if Illinois like whatever Illinois or Michigan or Baylor Gonzaga whatever they take in the loss column in the next week that's it for them. They they can add one more at most. And if you pay, add one more loss to Gonzaga, one loss to Gonzaga. The Zags are a one seed. Easy. Mm. If you add one more loss to Baylor, Baylor's a one seed. Easy. If you add one more loss to Michigan, Michigan's a one seed. Easy. The only one that's up for grabs is the last one. And I I do believe on Selection Sunday it will be Illinois. But I could also, based on the scenario you laid out, I could see it being Ohio State. I could see it being Alabama. They got to win the SEC tournament. They would have to just win out, just roll all the way through it, and 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 you know maybe have Michigan. Uh, I mean, maybe have Illinois, like right. you know, just sort of stumble somewhere, take a bad loss or whatever. But I, I could see, I could see Ohio State. I could see um, Alabama. I guess I could still see West Virginia, but I, I'm not sure. I don't think so. Uh, yeah, I think that's it. I that think might that's be it. it. The only other one that is a long shot but could do it, if Iowa doesn't lose again and Iowa knocks off like two of the projected one seeds in the process, maybe Iowa, but that's it. That's yeah, it. so it's, 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 it's Gonzaga, Baylor, Michigan basically locked in. Illinois, the likely fourth one seed, but Alabama, Iowa, Ohio State could all make a run at it. Maybe West Virginia, if like they if they Maybe. won if they won the Big Twelve tournament and they just knocked out everybody on their way there. However, yes. you do it, that, yeah. Um, you know, maybe, but I think that's it. I mean, yeah. What What about if Arkansas won out? They're not getting a one seed. No, they don't have a shot at a one seed. No, if they won out and then you, you if the you committee was out. eating edibles, maybe, but otherwise, that's not going to happen. Eric Musselman sells those. I know he does. Um, so does so does Leonard Hamilton. New contract extension. Yeah, good for him. And as I as I noted in the power rankings, still underpaid. <laughs> Leonard Hamilton should be making minimum three million a year. It's two and a quarter. I, I, like it's it's unreal. Like, I had a buddy uh, point that out to me. Like you know, Leonard Hamilton at this age getting a five year contract extension is amazing, but mm-hmm. like totally deserving. Whatever, I don't care. And, and but the number is the 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 the. The annual salary is low relative to the market, and so this person, I, he was like, "Well, you know, is that low?" And I was like, "Yes, it's low, but like, what is the market for a seventy-two-year-old coach? You know, where where is Leonard Hamilton going?" I'm uh, sure, but just re- reward the man for making Florida State basketball better than it's ever been. You know, I think that's right. I just, think that's right. You just you take. You, it's not because you're trying to keep him; you're just trying to reward him. Right, yeah, exactly. so you pay him. You pay him fair market value for a coach at his level, not because you're worried about him going somewhere else, but because you want to make him feel good about the place where he's at. I would agree. Um, where else do you want to turn to from Tuesday, GP? Because we uh, listen. Uh, you were on HQ. Um, there was no shortage of interesting stuff, so I got a few nuggets here. But uh, but guide us down this track. What uh, well, what stood out to you? Well, let's just not focus on Tuesday. Let's go back to Wednesday since the last time we recorded was uh, – let's go back to Monday since the last time we recorded was Sunday. So there have been, like, lots of notable results over the past two days. 
Oklahoma State, uh, as you mentioned, completed the bedlam sweep of, of Oklahoma. The Bubble Tar Heels lost at Syracuse. The Bubble Broncos lost to Fresno State. The Bubble Bonnies lost to Dayton. The Bubble Spiders lost to St. Joseph's. As the master of ceremonies of A-10 Media Day pre-pandemic, those are not great results for the A-10. Rutgers got curb stomped inside Pinnacle Bank, but that's hard to avoid. That's just hard to avoid. Arizona wrapped its season with a double-digit loss to Oregon. Not great for Sean Miller. Indiana lost again this time to Michigan State. Not great for Archie Miller. Bubble Yellow Jackets beat the Bubble Blue Devils. Any thoughts on any of that? Plenty. And feel free free to start with what happened inside Pinnacle Bank if you want to. I'm going to bypass that one. Uh, Shouts to Pinnacle Bank and Nebraska. Um, Nebraska has not lost inside Pinnacle Bank in seven (laughs) days now. It's been seven days. It's been amazing. You're you're cruising high into this month right now. There's no doubt about it. The Minnesota exception no longer holds or applies. So that is, we got some really interesting resumes starting to crop up here. And Rutgers is getting hairy in a hurry there. Um, I will go a bit chronological on you, GP. Um, Yeah. no big takeaway from Oklahoma State other than here, you know, 17 and 6. They sweep Oklahoma. They're rising up the board. Kate Cunningham is going to be must see. And the best uh, seed Oklahoma ha- State had in the past decade was a 5 in 2013. They fell in the first round. So this team actually has its best chance since 05 to make it to the Sweet 16. Um, Richmond, they're done. Uh, you can't take that kind of loss. They now need to win the A-10 tournament. That's obviously extremely problematic. UNC losing at North Carolina. I alluded to that being our distinct possibility on the Sunday pod. They go and they drop that one. It brings a lot of a lot of urgency again to the UNC-Duke game, just like the last time. They're, the Both teams kind of feel, honestly, weirdly, like they've had some wins and losses since they last played. And now they've, they've circled back to each other and it feels like they're in the same spot that they were when they first met in terms of loser is going to be a loser. Are you willing to, to call it a knockout game? Are you willing to call it a knockout game? It, it is a knockout game in the sense that the loser would need to win the ACC tournament to get in, I think. I'd that's have to called, maybe... That, 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 Duke for sure, I'd have to reevaluate UNC. Duke, without a doubt. There is no... Like, Duke barely has a shot. Duke would need to beat UNC and make the ACC title game just to have a bubble case, period. Like, if it beat UNC and then lost in the ACC semis, it's still not getting in. That's a knockout game, Deadleg. That's... We've got some serious knockout potential there. Um, from Tuesday, I mean, it was just... Bonkers up and down. Uh, yes, Indiana loses again. Michigan State is still in the tournament picture. Um, Indiana effectively a knockout. I mean, not effectively a knockout game. It just it needs to get to. It needs to not lose again until at least the Big Ten semis. It needs to do something. Here's what you're saying. It needs to do something. It ain't shown any ability Correct. to do. And it needs to win three in a row. It has not shown yeah, the good, potential yeah, to do that. But, yeah. Oh, I saw people last night, and it's just whatever it is. I, I don't. I don't put any stock in it. But but I saw the the um, Twitter campaign for Scott Drew replacing Archie Miller at Indiana starting to pop up a little bit. Well, Forty jump started that. Forty wrote a column over the weekend saying Scott Drew to IU. Uh, nothing's impossible, but I don't know. I, Would you do it if you were Scott? To get out of Bill Henderson's shadow? That's a tough thing. You've been living in Bill Henderson's shadow for a long time. That is a tough one. Would um, you rather work at the school that once employed Bob Knight or work at the school that once employed Bill Henderson? Not easy. And, of course... Mo- hey, multiple people have coached Indiana to a Final Four. 
Only, only one. one dude. Only one dude's ever done it at, at Baylor. That's correct. And that's, Bill, and that's Bill Henderson. Now, the reason why there's connection is that Scott went to Butler. Uh, he was obviously part of uh, Homer Homer staff at Valpo and coach Valpo for one year uh, before going to Baylor. Uh, man, yeah, you have it. You have it made forever. At you got Scott Drew Court coming to Baylor at some point. Correct. Like, like I don't think you leave for Indiana. I just it's just like do you if you get to Indiana and you thrive like that's uh, that's a great thing. But like I wouldn't put anything past it. I'm not saying like Scotcher's capable. I think of of going and, and with change of scenery. Do you really want to go from Baylor to Indiana? Yeah, this is one of those where let me be clear. I never tell any other person what to do with their career. I don't know what exactly what matters to Scott as it relates to this. You know, if it's always been a dream to go back to Indiana, if it's always been a dream to coach the Hoosiers, I can't get involved in that. But on a very surface level, man, it feels like just leave well enough alone. Yes, I would agree. I would agree. Now, if there's any sort of situation where leave well enough alone then becomes, well, you make three more million a year doing this and you're from Indiana, anything can change. By the way, I'm not putting out that this got true as a candidate for Indiana. I'm, <laughs> well, that, I don't well, think they're I'm tweeting it. Uh, that's the, that's going to be the tweet. Norlander says Scott Drew's going to Indiana. Do you agree? <laughs> Great. Uh, I don't think they're getting ready for Archie Miller after the season. Now, I don't it, either. It, I, I think Archie will still be the coach. There's a lot of Indiana fans that don't think that's true, though. So, oh, they they they're done. They're, they're, they're done. done. They Miller. are done. They're done. They're done. But I don't yeah. I don't think I don't think that they're changing. I think he gets one more year. Uh, elsewhere on on Tuesday, Xavier took a bad loss on the road. Uh, that's I don't know if you mentioned Bubble Xavier, but they certainly could not afford to take that loss. Well, they could afford it, but it's it just damages the profile in a significant way. Another issue for that Big East conference, as we talked before. Um, Georgia Tech beating Duke has Tech now as an eleven, according to Palm. That sounds just about right. Uh, good on Josh Pastner. Getting it done in the face shield. Let's go. Let's get this guy in that friggin' face shield in the NCAA tournament. I want I, I want Georgia Tech and IUPUI's gym playing at 315 on that opening Friday on True TV. Let's I bet, no, go. That, Georgia Tech is a hundred percent a true TV game. There's no doubt. <laughs> There is, there is a hundred. There's never been a more true TV game than Georgia Tech. Josh Pastor in a face shield. I think I feel like people just sort of forgot that he had a COVID pinata in the locker room earlier this season. Oh, I haven't. I have not forgotten. <laughs> I have not forgotten. Dude went on Amazon, bought a COVID pinata, and dropped it on the floor. And his team, his players, started going at it. And then he had a cooler full of candy, and he starts scooping it out on the floor like a seven-year-old's birthday party. Phenomenal. What did he say? So he pulls it out. See, I haven't watched it in a while, so I can't remember the exact wording. But he pulls it out, and, and somebody's like, "Is is that a is that a coronavirus pinata?" He's like, "Yes, it's a coronavirus pinata." <laughs> so it was like a, it was such a Michael Scott moment. I agree. Like it was a hundred percent Michael Scott. It was so funny. Just, I gotta go. I wouldn't. I'm gonna spend the rest of my afternoon watching. It's that. so good. It's phenomenal. Boise State loses. Eww, home loss. That's a rough one. They're definitely on the outside looking in now. Not completely eliminated, but I would advise getting to the Mountain West title game at absolute minimum if you're uh, Leon Rice's Broncos. There, they're actually good enough to win a tournament game too. So we'll see what uh, what can surface there. And I have to. I absolutely must must bring up what the hell happened in the Horizon League on Tuesday night. This is a... Dude, th three games go to overtime. One of them triple overtime. Cleveland State, 108. Purdue, Fort Wayne, 104. Cleveland State's the one seed. 
That's the game of the night. The only game that didn't go to overtime, the only game, was eighth seed in Milwaukee beating Wright State. Excuse me, Cleveland State's the two seed. Wright State's the one seed. Eighth seed in Milwaukee was down 72 to 48 with six and a half minutes to go and knocked off Wright State. Every other game went to overtime or triple overtime. Horizon March is here in full swing. I had it up on, dude, I was locked in. (laughs) I'm not even like, this is, for me, this is like a serious charm and appeal of college basketball. Like I had, I was fighting with Georgia Tech Duke versus Cleveland State, Purdue, Fort Wayne on my ESPN app um, deal on, on my on my Apple TV. It was phenomenal. Oakland won over Youngstown State to move on in overtime, 87-83. Mo- Miami, Ohio won 84-79 over Bowling Green in overtime. Cleveland State got by 108-104. And then I mentioned Wright State losing at the hands of Milwaukee. And shouts to Ken Pomeroy because he had a reader point this out. Milwaukee, uh, by nature of its loss, Wright State has the two most statistically improbable comebacks the entire season. Down 24 on Tuesday night, and then on January 23rd, it was down by 13 points to Cleveland State with two minutes to go, and it came back and won. So Milwaukee, I don't know what's going on there, but shouts to the Horizon League that kind of just filled out the night all the more. Like, you had these huge, high-profile games perish, and then you had some big-time, you know, must-see bubble stuff, and then here comes the Horizon League on ESPN Plus out of nowhere, I mean, that's really got to be one of the most dramatic single-day ter- conference tournaments like ever. All all four games are either decided by a possession, on a buzzer beater, or in overtime. Good stuff. This is March. If I'm being, if I'm being honest, I don't get too locked into the one-bid league tournaments early, but I love them once they get to, like, semifinals and championship game. I mean, uh, I, 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 one of my favorite moments from last season was being on the sideline for the CAA tournament semifinals and finals. Like, I mean, those guys, when you get to the semifinals and finals of, of the big 10 tournament, like whatever, it's not life or death from almost never, you know, it, it's like, and here we got uh, Michigan against Ohio state and the winners are one seed and the losers are two seed. Like who cares? I mean, I know they care, but it's not life or death. You get into these uh, one bid leagues, man. And these, these young people are playing, for, for stories they can tell for the rest of their life. And I love it. I mean, I'm, um, I, I, you know, that, that CAA tournament last season was just awesome with Hofstra being able to get there for the first time in a long time. And like, you know, you, young men like literally crying on the court, tears of joy. I, that's the, my favorite part of this part of the season is like when you, 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 you get two, two teams and they're about to play a game and the winner is going to the NCAA tournament, and the loser has no shot whatsoever at the NCAA tournament. That that's as that's as good as it gets. It's just phenomenal, and we are uh, we are approaching uh, auto bid season again. Just a few days. I'll give you a heads up on Friday's podcast about what you need to be looking out for this weekend in terms of uh, in terms of auto bids. That was pretty much everything from Tuesday. Um, just a heads up real quick for everyone listening on Wednesday, because I know you were eager to get to this podcast and I hope you are, I hope your soul has been settled after that opening intro. Um, the games to know about on Wednesday, uh, UConn at Seton Hall, that's very bubbly, very bubbly for both. That's a 630 tip. That's your first kind of, uh, big watch on Fox Sports 1. Um, UCLA, Oregon has some bracket implications. That's a nine o'clock tip on ESPN two. GP doesn't have to worry about having to find that on, uh, on pack to wealth network. Cause you'd never it's see impossible. it. It's you know, impossible. You'd never see it if that was the case. Um, 
Maryland, I think, is pretty well in, but if it were to lose at Northwestern, it would certainly complicate matters, uh, no doubt about it. Um, Missouri plays at Florida. They're both in the field. I think they're both locks, obviously, but Missouri has been doing like what Wisconsin's been doing lately. Wisconsin lost again Tuesday night, so uh, I've got an odd curiosity with them. And then the big game that ties into a news headline that I want to touch on real quick is Creighton plays at Villanova at 8.30 on Wednesday night on Fox Sports 1. Uh, Creighton's going for a sweep. Villanova trying to really establish its resume to get it back to 2C level, and we'll see if it is able to do that or not. But on Tuesday, there was a headline that came out, um, and you know it, it came out, I guess, right around when Right before, right as Baylor West Virginia was was tipping off, uh, Greg McDermott issued an apology to social media. Um, the school made a statement, and this had actually been had been buzzed about quietly behind the scenes for about I don't know twelve hours before this happened. Um, it's as we are recording this podcast, it appears that McDermott will coach in the game. The school said that any disciplinary actions that are going to happen will be private. Uh, Creighton is a private school, so we're not going to know everything. I'm going to read you McDermott's statement in full if you're unaware of the story. Um, He said, on February 27th, after an emotionally tough loss on the road, I addressed our student athletes and the staff in the postgame locker room and used a terribly inappropriate analogy in making a point about staying together as a team despite the loss. Specifically, I said... And this is McDermott's recollection as a direct quote. He said, guys, we got to stick together. We need both feet in. I need everybody to stay on the plantation. I can't have anybody leave the plantation. He continues, I immediately recognized my egregious mistake and quickly addressed my use of such insensitive words with the team. I've never used that analogy and is not indicative of who I am as a person or as a coach. I am deeply sorry. I have apologized to our student athletes and to our staff, as well as to President Hendrickson and Director of Athletics, Bruce Rasmussen. Over the last 72 hours, I have engaged in multiple difficult conversations with students, athletes, staff, parents, and university administrators, and I realize the pain that my words have caused. For that, I sincerely apologize. I am committed to ensure that this will never happen again, and I'm using this as a learning experience. While there, are, while there remains work to be done and trust to earn back, I appreciate our student athletes' honesty and will maintain an open dialogue as we continue to grow together. I will not, that's the end of his statement. I won't read all of Creighton's statement, but again, it said, as this is a personnel matter any disciplinary action will remain confidential don't really know why there has to be confidential disciplinary action over something that obviously has been publicly addressed now i think creighton could probably do a little bit better than that this is clearly a stunning story uh got a few texts from people in the industry wondering whether or not mcdermott's job could be on the line or whether or not he would face a potential suspension uh it would appear that his job is not on the line um creighton making the statement the way that it did when it did perish i would think that he is going to hold it the quote is Baffling, utterly baffling. Obviously, um, insensitive is only the start of it. Uh, inappropriate is only the start of it. It has extremely disturbing racist undertones. What makes it even more shocking is McDermott, both publicly and you know, kind of behind the scenes with his team, all last summer throughout uh, you know our country's second major uh, reckoning with with you know racial prejudice in this country and, and social justice. He was uh, a very prominent voice there. So. Um, I did not want to end the podcast before addressing this because obviously it's a, it's a serious topic and we should discuss these kind of things. And Creighton has a high-profile game on Wednesday night. Uh, we'll be curious to see whether or not McDermott talks about it again in the post game. One of his own assistants, Terrence Wrencher, who has been a very active uh, member in Coaches for Action, also put out a statement uh, that you should seek out and read. And um, yeah, you're just your thoughts, Parrish, on uh, on what transpired and became public uh, on Tuesday night. Yeah, you can't use those words. That goes without saying. You can't use those words in that context. That goes without saying. You know, I had a few different coaches 
asked me Tuesday night, like, how is this going to play long term? Like, is this something that they can genuinely just put behind them? Or is is it going to have lingering effects? And I think ultimately that comes down to what do the players believe? You know, what do the other people within that program believe? Do they believe it was just an unfortunate, out-of-nowhere choice of words that he regretted immediately? Or or do they believe that um, that's who he is? And, you know, I... I I've known Greg for a long time, just like you have. And I've never got any sort of weird vibes in that regard from him. And I had multiple people, you know, Tuesday night say the same thing. Like they, they, they seem to genuinely believe that he just said something he shouldn't say, but it's not anything more than that. And, and, you know, as, as for what the way Creighton is going to handle this, I, I would assume what they mean by we will, any, any punishment or whatever will be handled confidentially. I assume that just means, Hey, we are going to do something about this, but you know, it'll be, it's not, he's not going to be suspended from a game. He's not going to, he's not going to not coach in the big East tournament. Uh, In other words, like we'll, we'll handle that. We we're not just going to let it go um, unpunished, but it's not going to be obvious what we're doing because he's coaching our next game and every game after that. I would assume that's where we're at with this. Yeah, and we'll get more uh, if and when he says anything else after the game on Wednesday night. But uh, but certainly, yeah, that was uh, yeah. Uh, an, I guess I would say this also: not okay. every coach would 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 you know publicly apologize unprompted. Yeah, the way he did, like I would agree. you know, like that was out. There. You had heard it. I had heard it. It had gotten a little bit of Twitter stuff, but it wasn't like you know the New York Times wrote a story and then Greg McDermott's got to respond. He he just sort of you know he tweeted I'm sorry and then a, and then and then the statement was there and so for for him to get out in front of it like th- I guess I would say this there was no guarantee that was ever going to come out in a mainstream media outlet that got you know there 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 are stories all the time that you and I hear or that are on social media somewhere a message board somewhere and they just never reach you know the the ticker. And this is possible, possibly one of those. He could have maybe just hoped it never comes out. But to get out in front of it, I, I thought was um, deserves credit for that, whatever the motivation. And I, I've sort of reached the point in my life where when people apologize and say, hey, I messed up, let me explain to you how it happened, why it happened, and, and why it'll never happen again. If I believe it comes from a sincere place, I'm willing to take them at their word. And, and, and apology accepted, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not that interested, you know, um, I'm not that interested in like, you know, you, you have to pay uh, an incredible price for every little misstep. You know, I remember when, when Drew Brees said the idiotic thing he said about Colin Kaepernick kneeling, there was all this cancel Drew Brees, cancel Drew Brees. And, and I was sort of on the side of if Drew Brees is, is, is sincerely, um, uh, sorry for what he said. And if this can be a teachable moment, would it be better to turn Drew Brees into an ally, a very public ally than it is to just cancel Drew Brees? Like if Drew Brees is ready to come to the other side of this conversation and, and then use his voice um, as an ally, like I, I think that's probably better than just like, let's remove Drew Brees from every commercial in the history of television. And I, I would say the, the same thing, although slightly different situation, but the same thing about Greg McDermott. Like if he's sincere in his apology and it's not um, um, 
a reflection of anything larger than what he says it was. And, and, and he's, you know, now willing to, to learn from it and, 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 and hopefully uh, help others learn from it. What is okay to say and what's not okay to say, then that's good enough for me. I guess that's where I would bottom line it. Then that's, that's good enough for me. I agree. It's about accountability. And uh, he certainly exhibited plenty, uh, plenty of it in that statement, but it will obviously, as he said, it will continue uh, going forward there. And, and so there we are. Um, don't know if you have anything else, but just a heads up. I, I mentioned the Wednesday games and where there's also Texas at Oklahoma on ESPN at nine o'clock. There is Oklahoma State at Baylor, 7 o'clock, right before that one. And Michigan State plays at Michigan at 7 o'clock on ESPN. That's a few ones to keep uh, to keep an eye on. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry, MF, and Teagle. Legend. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys for listening once again to the Ion College Basketball Podcast in the middle of the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime, Norlander. I swear to you, i never seen one like this. We got good news on the vaccine front. I'm a fully vaccinated man. They keep talking about these variants. I don't like the sound of that. Plus, they open in everything in, in, in both Texas and Mississippi. My home state is open for business, Norlander. If you want to gather in a restaurant 100% capacity, come on down to Mississippi. Uh, I'm, go- I'm good, but, but thanks for the invite. <laughs> if you want to gather dangerously, come on down to the Magnolia State. We're happy to have you. I'm set. If you haven't subscribed to the Ion College Basketball Podcast, please go do so wherever you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. Either way, we're going to talk to you again on Friday. Till then, take care. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.